Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Wannabe, the podcast that takes you from where you are now to where you want to be in 30 minutes or less. I'm Imriel Morgan, founder of Content is Queen, a podcast agency and community for ambitious podcasters. Welcome to a special bonus episode for my parenting special. If you listened to the previous episodes, you will have heard me say that while every guest is a parent, this isn't a parenting podcast. So expect the same great practical steps to elevate your career. And that remains entirely true for this episode too. Before we get to my next incredible guest, I want to just let you know that we've opened applications for our 2022 Microgrant for Podcasters program. If you have a podcast idea that the world needs to hear, you can apply for a grant of £2,500 or £5,000. Applications are now open at bit.ly forward slash pod microgrant. That's bit.ly pod microgrant. Or you can visit contentisqueen.org and head to the news section where you will find the application form. Applications close on November 30th and terms and conditions apply. Right, joining me this week for a special bonus episode is Michelle Kennedy, the founder of one of the fastest growing social networking apps for women, Peanut. Before creating Peanut, Michelle was a corporate lawyer. She then became the deputy CEO of dating app Badu and a director at Bumble. Yes, the very Bumble. In today's episode, Michelle gets candid about the reality of building a successful business with a toddler and baby on the way. She shares what it's really like to raise investment while pregnant and the sacrifices she's had to make with friends and family to build Peanut up to what it is today. Michelle also shares the one thing that helped her maintain her passion and motivation. Let's go. Who did you want to be before you became who you are today and why? So I'm a bit worried that your listeners won't know who this is because I'm a little bit older. It was Ali McBeal. Ali McBeal was this amazing TV show about being a lawyer in America. I think it was based in Chicago. And I really loved it. I loved her. It made being a lawyer so cool. They had a bar underneath the office. Yeah. That was it. That's what I thought life as a lawyer was going to be. Little did I know. (laughs) Not as exciting. I loved Ali McBeal when I was younger. What was it about her as a character that you really loved or admired and wanted to bring into your own life? I think she was a little bit kooky and not always conventional. Didn't always say the right things at the right time. I resonated with that. I'm always a little bit socially awkward and getting things timing a bit wrong or misjudging situations and what I should say. An oversharer. <laughs> yeah, I've always been an oversharer and I felt she was an oversharer. So I, I totally understood it. And I just thought it looked so glamorous to be a lawyer like how amazing that you have these amazing like colleagues and then you go to the bar afterwards and you stand around the piano and sing and I just (laughs) thought it was amazing so that was that was it I love it and then you obviously went on the path of becoming a lawyer 
How was that for you? It was a funny one for me because my mum and dad, like I was the first to go to uni, that wasn't something that existed in my world. You know, my dad was an electrician and my mum worked a couple of jobs part-time around me and they were both very, very clear on that. It would not be acceptable to not have a profession and I didn't know any better. So the professions I was presented with were be a teacher, be an accountant, be a lawyer, be a doctor. Well, I'm terrible with numbers, actually. shouldn't admit that, but I am. So that was out. The only thing really was a lawyer where I was like, actually, kind of light words, don't really know what it means, but everyone seems to think that that's a good profession. And I just went for it. And I became very single-minded on that front. Did I enjoy it? Yeah, I enjoyed it because... It was all I knew. I Mm. I didn't really have exposure to anything else. So I did enjoy it. When I qualified, I qualified as an M&A lawyer, so into corporate. So doing like acquisitions of companies, selling Mm. companies. And I loved the buzz. The buzz of that is amazing. But the the reality of it is you're working at 2am paginating bundles or you're writing due diligence reports at 2am. Like it's, it's... It's much less glamorous until you get to the completion meeting. Ultimately, obviously, it reached a point where I didn't really love it anymore because I started looking at other options, like how else can I be a lawyer? Where else can I be a lawyer? And a client that I was doing lots of acquisitions for asked me to go and work for them in-house. And that felt like a good opportunity to go and learn more about business. Could you say more about the moment that you started to realize that actually you wanted more from your life or you wanted more than just being a lawyer doing that kind of day-to-day work what was happening in your world that made you feel like actually maybe this isn't yeah this isn't quite right like something needs to shift or change but what it sounds like you still didn't quite have like the full-blown perspective of it could be more than law at that stage yeah I, I actually had no idea what it could be because I think I'd spent so long planning to get to the point where you're a lawyer, that when you're actually a lawyer, you're like, oh, right. So now it's just more of this until forever. Honestly, I think it wasn't like a sudden moment. It was a gradual realisation that I didn't really think I wanted that to be my life. Little did I know what it was like to be a founder at that point. But anyway, (laughs) different story. But I didn't really fancy like always being the friend that was not going to get to the birthday or permanently tired Or I remember one particular night I was living with my best mate in Clapham and I got home, the deal completed and I'd been up all week. I Mm. I think I'd slept like two hours for the whole week and she dropped me in a toothbrush to the office because I hadn't been home. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I got home on Friday and she literally put me in her car and drove me to her parents' house in Kent and I slept for like 15 hours in her mum's house and I remember getting up and her mum being like is this is this the London life like is this it and I was like oh god I don't know but I don't know if it's the life that I kind of imagined it would be so there were kind of moments like that where I started to think maybe this wasn't exactly what I wanted and there were other things that I looked at right there was a job that came up for IMG and I was like oh being a lawyer for like models that must be cool <laughs> and then you know the realization that it's just contracts but 
with models names on yeah uh, like you know and, and nothing wrong with that but what what was the progression like what was I then gonna do from there and I think I was so used to thinking about what's next what am I gonna do from there that I think that was the moment where when the client said to me look do you want to come and build a legal team for us great opportunity I was going to get to be co-sex so I could do the board meetings and get to learn about the business and and that felt like a the right time nice thank you so much for sharing that it's so interesting to hear your story and like actually at what point do things start to change and where do these like little moments or whether these seeds sow and who sowed the seed of oh actually there could be more out here but I know that you have a background from dating and you started off in Badu with the startup life being in like a completely different environment and a completely different ecosystem what was that transition like for you so The way it had unfolded was I was getting restless. A lawyer called me that I used to work for and said, listen, there's this young guy. He's got this amazing website. It was a website at the time. We've got this amazing site. He really needs in-house legal. And I think you'd be great at it. And I looked at it and I was like, what is this thing? So at the time, Badoo had 52 million users and I'd never heard of it. So I couldn't understand that there could be... (laughs) a platform that had 52 million users that I'd never heard of. And it was dating. And back in the day, you know, dating wasn't what it is today. It was really very socially unacceptable to say that you met someone on a dating site. It was a bit like, you know, you could remember those people who would be interviewed by GMTV and they'd be like, we met on a dating website and everyone would be like, ooh, weird. So to go and work for that kind of platform was like, it felt quite like renegade. But I met the founder, Andre, and it felt like an adventure right I'd been in a very polished corporate environment and I walked into this office in Denmark Street in Soho and there were like 30 guys drinking Red Bull and eating hula hoops writing code and I was like what (laughs) is this what is this and I just felt like it was going to be something exciting and so I did it and I joined as their lawyer so that was amazing because it gave me the opportunity to ask all of the stupid questions under the guise of you have to tell me because I have to make sure that you're doing it right. And I just loved it. And from there, I started, I'm really nosy. And they probably didn't mind the social awkward, inappropriate questioning too much. So I would ask loads of questions and I started to set up other functions. So I set up the legal function and then HR and BI and all these other like functionalities that I started to be responsible for. And eventually just started working next to the founder, Andre, and became his deputy. And so we we kind of ran the company together. And it was amazing. And then Tinder came out and set the world on fire. And we were like, wait, what? They're just doing what we've been doing for ages, but in America. So we started kind of working out what our route would be. And long story short, we reached out to Whitney, who was at Tinder at the time, And then we started building what became Bumble. So it was an amazing moment in life where we were building this brand new product and and I loved it and was on the board. And it was the, I couldn't then even remember really being a lawyer. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because I just lived and breathed like everything to do with these products and this business and, and I loved it. And then it got to the point actually where I was like, again, this is going to be more of the same, right? I'm not, we're not going to be doing this all the time. And maybe I want to go and do something for myself. I'd just been a new mum when we started Bumble. So I had this kind of realisation of, I actually want to maybe build a product that I 
use. And there's a market opportunity here. And maybe I can take everything I've learned over the past five or so years and, and apply it in a different way. And so I did something wild and very unlike me, which is I quit my job. And I as started a new thinking about as, as well. a new mom. Crazy. Actually, when I quit, Finn was two. I didn't okay. do it immediately. It took okay. me a while, right? I, I mean, we, we did bomb. Yeah, but we we built Bumble and we did a lot of other stuff before I I quit. But I quit with a yeah with a two year old and responsibilities and thought I'm gonna build something that I think is needed by women and that I can set the agenda for and the success or failure will be mine. It won't be Andre's. It won't be Wits with me in the background. It will be mine. Come good and come bad. And that was in 2016. Wow. Such an incredible journey and also so much incredible experience in some of like <laughs> like the world's most famous and incredibly successful tech companies. So you had like a great foundation, even from being a lawyer and then being able to set up all of these functions. Like this is how businesses run. It's like getting an MBA <laughs> through just life experience. Yeah, I hired people who were MBAs and we hired other people who had a more conventional path to tech either through product or through engineering or through sales so we hired those people and and my route was pretty unconventional there aren't that many ceos or entrepreneurs who started life as a lawyer and the reason is as a lawyer you're trained to look for risk and identify risk and avoid it and as an entrepreneur you see the risk and you do it anyway right yeah so (laughs) they're, they're, they're two quite different mindsets and i definitely had to learn a lot about both. How did you go about rewiring your brain to avoid risk and like basically going against your training essentially and what would have been kind of almost coded into you as this is how we do things? That's hard. Yeah, that's been really hard. I mean, I I spent a lot of time with Andre and he's a character that I owe a lot to. He's a very specific kind of person and not for everyone. Um, <laughs> but his mind is is brilliant. And he pushed me, even when I said no to stuff, he pushed me to do it. You know, there were things that he had me do that I didn't want to do, just even from a like professional pride perspective. I mean, I spent three weeks hawking this idea that he had around the coffee shops of Soho. I remember getting back every day and being fuming, like, I don't want to do this. I didn't work my ass off to like be doing this. But actually, what did I learn? hustle lack of embarrassment go at shamelessness yeah and all of these things were absolutely essential for for doing peanuts so I owe him a lot he pushed me to think in a different way and I can't ever say that that wasn't monumental in where I am now yeah hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com hey it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters May 17th do you want to tell people the big news 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah, I hear, I think it was Arlen Hamilton that talked about Growing up and hearing the word no, I mean, I interviewed her and she she doesn't give this that much credit, but I felt like when I listened to her story, hearing the word no and being rejected a lot really primes you for being an entrepreneur. Totally. Apparently, it's why why actors and dancers will be very good at it because they go to auditions and they're very used to going down that path. So apparently, anyway, if you ever want to make a switch, it's acting to entrepreneurship is the way. There's actually quite a few people that listen who are actors actually. So. There, there you, you go. go. Yeah. There you go. Rejection really does prime you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Born entrepreneurs. I really want to go back to you being a new mum because I am about to be a new mum at time of recording. That this will be out. The baby will be born. And so like not necessarily being a new mum, but you had a two year old and you had a child and, a res- and responsibilities and bills and a partner and everything else to think about. So I'm just wondering, what did you do to prepare for this kind of big life change? And did having a child actually change the way you thought about your career and your life and how you wanted to go about living it? I did absolutely nothing (laughs) to plan. Literally nothing apart from buy stuff. I had a spreadsheet. I'm like weirdly obsessed with stuff like that. So I had a spreadsheet of everything that I needed (laughs) and a little budget. But apart from that, I did nothing. I didn't read any books. I didn't prepare myself mentally. I had no idea. And I worked right up until the last minute And so when Finn came, the reality of the situation of me being at home all day, every day with this small person who really needed me was massive. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. Mm. My mom doesn't live in London. I didn't have, my girlfriends weren't having kids. I really didn't have anyone around me. My partner would go off to work every day and I'd genuinely hate him for it. Oh my gosh. And then he'd get back and I'd be like, how's the tube? You know, what did, who did you see? What did you eat? <laughs> like weirdly like living through his life. And that was because I think I hadn't given myself any time to adjust to what my identity would be as a mom because it expands your identity, but you can feel like you're losing the person that you were if you're not thinking about it and, and prepared for it. I was also extremely frightened of Finn. Like he was this beautiful beautiful baby and he cried and I freaked out and you know all these things now I have I have a daughter now and she cries all the time believe me <laughs> I'm just so immune to it uh, but, but with Finn I, I just I, I couldn't even believe I, I freaked out at everything would everyone think I was a bad mom if he was crying I remember my mom coming down for the day and we went to like a local Starbucks and I she was like are you all right you've gone really quiet and I was I was freaking out about the thought of him waking up and I didn't even know how to say that because I was really I probably in hindsight a lot of postpartum depression Mm. and there were so many things going on and so I didn't do anything to prepare and a lot of that was to do with so much of who I was being tied to my identity at work Mm -hmm. and then not having that really that is the reason for peanut right I needed something where I could go and find some other women going through the same thing as me. I needed to feel normal. I needed to laugh or cry or check in or anything 
actually. I also needed to not talk about him for maybe like five minutes yeah. and just talk about like keeping up with the Kardashians or something. Like anything that wasn't <laughs> only about him. And I didn't have a place for that. And, you know, what was I meant to do? Use face I hadn't used Facebook for however many years. Was I meant to like start using that again? Or like <laughs> Mum's net? Like where where was I meant to go? Like, I didn't know. So that is the it's a genuine place of like a bit of despair coupled with a bit of like why doesn't this exist how are women meant to like go through this and then when I had my daughter and there's quite a big age gap between my kids and based on what I've just told you about Finn you can probably work out why it was quite traumatic yeah Finn's eight now but my daughter um is two and when I had her it was very different like I felt very differently I knew life would change and I was okay with that I obviously had the app so I knew I'd be all right I knew I had like a a way to find a network and I wasn't scared of her so I wasn't scared of her crying or her whatever and it was a much more joyful healthy experience because I wasn't as obsessive you can't be when you've got a business and another child to think about I was very obsessive with Finn I didn't let other people like help me with Nula if anyone wants to help me I'm like yep please (laughs) there is something about second children that seemed to just get like (laughs) just tell her honestly what what can you hold her yes please so you know all all of this stuff right and 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 by the way her weirdly her birth wasn't easy she my son was massive when he was born and Nula was really small and she they they delivered her early because of her size and so there was a lot of stuff that wasn't necessarily easy about her but I felt more comfortable about me Mm. and what that showed me is that the product that we built is so essential to help women feel like them and get that sense of ownership of their identity of who they are as a woman as a mother like back and and to understand it a bit more and and I felt much more grounded when I had Nula and I still did stupid stuff and I still do stupid stuff but (laughs) at least I know that there is a like a little army of women who I can turn to and be like anyone else's kid doing this or anyone else feel like that or whatever it might be. Yeah, I love that I have Peanut on my phone ready for when I transition from pregnant person to mum person. I've been quite fortunate that every one of my friends basically has had a kid and like three have had kids in the last like six months. So inbuilt personal network, but I'm really looking forward to just connecting with people in the area because I'm the only one that lives in our area and we just moved house and I'm like, anybody is anybody yeah and I'm not convinced the NCT group is gonna I'm not sure it's I'm changing trust so I'm just like I do I I feel really excited about the fact that this exists so that I have it as an option to build a network in my area so thank you for doing that work and going through the struggles you had to endure in order for this to be in the world because it is really important and I think that is like as a as a new mum coming into this and an entrepreneur and someone who's got livelihoods on the line besides my own and now this yeah. child it is so important to feel or have like a sense of identity outside of mum and I'm so terrified totally. of losing myself I've seen my friends lose themselves and their kid and I'm like I want to be obsessed with my baby because why not like that feels like a new thing to just try but I also really love my business like I really like what I do you have the army of women and and you built a network around yourself for that as well but how did you go about reclaiming your identity especially after Finn where you said you know you really struggled with it after Finn it was hard and and probably reclaiming my identity meant 
getting back to work and starting to feel a bit more like myself again and using my brain in a different way. And that's different for every woman, right? Some women will never go back to work or they'll go back to work in a different like headspace and that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. And you do what's right for you. For me, it was like getting stuck back in. And I think that was the important part. When I started Peanut, you know, there is no balance. That Just being completely honest, it is all-consuming. It is 24-7. I was going to say. You, are, <laughs> you wake up intense. with... Yeah, you wake up with sweats at 3am because you're thinking about something in the product or can you keep the lights on or whatever it might be. Like, it is a huge amount of pressure. And the highs are really high and the lows are really low and there's literally nothing in between. There's never just like a an okay day. It's like an amazing day or the worst day of your life. And you have to kind of be okay with that. That can be quite hard when you've got little people who depend on you because for them, you can't be so up and down. For them, you have to be constant or as close to constant as you can manage. So there is no balance and it's just about the analogy I was always told was it's plastic balls and glass balls and you're trying to keep them all in the air but if it's a plastic ball you can let it drop yeah you just can't drop the glass balls so like a plastic ball is you forgot to put your kid in costume for costume day at school but a glass ball is you're going to miss their medical appointment right you can't miss the medical appointment but it doesn't matter if they don't wear the costume yeah so it's it's glass balls and plastic balls and I think that helped me get some perspective when I felt like I was not getting it right I love that analogy. I've never heard that before. Yeah, it's a good Last one. Yeah, it's a good balls. one. I'll make a note so when of that. You're, <laughs> when you're stressing out about anything in life and you're like, oh, I'm not going to do this or I'm going to get this wrong, you have to just, in your head, say, is it a glass ball or a plastic ball? Like, is something going to happen as a consequence? It's such or not? a good visual as well. I can just, like, picture it in my mind. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. The one thing that I've noticed, the more I do this, is how audacious everyone is. And... Some people will shrink away from the word audacity and audaciousness. But I think it's just so essential that we are audacious as women, if we can be, or or try to cultivate that. So I would love to know, where do you get your audacity from? Oh, God, my mom. My (laughs) mom is like this, like, small Irish woman who is absolutely ferocious. I mean, you just would not mess with my mom. She would be that woman who would drink half half the cup of coffee in in a coffee shop and then call the guy over and be like, it's cold. Oh my god! She's had like the first half, and I, I would be like, "Mom, you've drunk half." She was like, "Well, I had to just check if it was the right temperature by drinking half." Right. So she, her audacity knows no limits, and I, I actually am much less like that. I, I think I still have that embarrassment factor, but I definitely get it from her. She will ask. She always taught me to ask. Always ask why if you don't know. Always ask the questions. And my mum has always had a very, very strong sense of what is right and wrong Mm -hmm. and has always given me that permission to, if you see something wrong, don't wait for someone else to say it's wrong. You say it's wrong. And that does require a certain amount of audacity, right? It's Mm -hmm. not particularly British with our stiff upper lip to call stuff out. Like we don't really call stuff out. We're quite reserved or particularly as women, actually, young girls were told it's impolite and Mm -hmm. to toe the line and those kind of things. And my mum always gave me permission and the sense of I could call things out and say what's right and wrong, whether status quo liked it or not. So I was always that person in class. If something wasn't fair or right, I was always the one saying that's not right. That's not fair. So audacity definitely from her. I love that so much. Your mum sounds like so much fun. (laughs) 
<laughs> Absolute legend. Formidable woman. Brilliant. I love that. What are you working on improving right now? Oh, I'm not very good at saying no. And this. this is very bad because what happens is you end up letting people down when you physically cannot do what you've agreed to do. Mm -hmm. So I need to get better at it. I have a little separate inbox in my inbox of things that I have promised people that I haven't yet got to. And it's not going anywhere. It's not getting smaller. And really what I need to do is say no rather than sure, let me come back to you because, you know, then people just think that you're letting them down. Whereas if I'd been honest and said, you know what, I really can't right now because I've got a business and two children. I really need to start saying no. So it's not something I'm naturally good at, but I'm hoping I'm getting a little better. I feel exactly the same. I just don't want to let people down. But then you inevitably let people down because you just can't. Exactly. Can't be all Can things I tell all you people. why? <laughs> it's because we know what it's like for people to say no to us. So we don't want to ever say no to another woman because you're constantly so focused on making women's lives better yeah. and pulling another woman up the ladder and helping her out that you just so don't want to say no. I find it very easy to say no to men yeah. as it goes. <laughs> Same. Don't know what that means. Uh, don't know what that means. But I mean, I, I got something came in this week and they were like, would you like to join the board? I was like, no, I found that very easy. But I find it very hard when because, you know, we need support and we need help. And I'm so aware of that. I'm so aware of the privilege I've got that I want to make sure that I'm always paying it forward but sometimes that gets me in a bit of a mess fair enough thank you for being honest and sharing that and I can relate and so so many can to be perfectly honest so definitely so not hard. alone the very final question is what is the best advice you've ever received and what is the worst advice you've ever received the worst advice I've ever received I mean it's a bit random but I remember it really well which was in my first year at uni. Everyone told me first year didn't matter. Mm -hmm. First year doesn't matter. And then you come to do all your applications for the like training contract stuff, which you have to do at the start of your second year. And oh. you're like, oh no, I've got all my first year marks. <laughs> Good to know actually. Don't listen I, to that. Yeah, yeah don't, everyone's don't told to that. that. <laughs> yeah, that was a nightmare. The best advice I've ever had is why not you? If you see something, if you see an opportunity, why not you? It doesn't have to be someone else. And I think that that was the best advice ever because I think about it all the time. And it makes me make decisions about the business. It makes me make decisions about investments. It informs my decisions in so many ways because I think, why, why shouldn't I do it? Why can't I be the one to make money from that transaction? Or why can't I be the one to say you know this is a trend and we're going to lean into it like so why not you best thing ever very liberating i love that thank you so much michelle this has been an absolute pleasure thank you guys michelle kennedy is an actual inspiration and honestly just pure goals for me her journey is truly inspirational and i hope you caught that you can follow her work on instagram at michelle kennedy lon if it's applicable to you it's definitely worth checking out peanut for community and connection with other women with similar interests and similar journeys to your own you can find peanut on the app stores on whatever device you have that's a wrap thank you so much for listening I hope this half an hour has made you think, reflect and contemplate on what your next step should be. I'd like to encourage you to think about one person who would benefit from the messages shared today. And I'd love for you to share this episode with them right now. 
If you'd like to keep up with the latest episode releases, do follow Wannabe on your favourite podcast player and follow us on Instagram at contentisqueenhq. And don't forget, if you're interested in our micro-grant programme for podcasters, please do follow us at contentisqueenhq where there are regular updates. But also, if you'd like to apply, you can head to contentisqueen.org and go to the news section where you will find information about the micro-grants, including the application form. The deadline is the 30th of November. Until next time, Bye. This is a Content is Queen production, hosted and produced by me, Amriel Morgan, editing and sound design by Joseph Perry. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.